Good afternoon, my fellow Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, rebel scum on the run, but most importantly, you, my fellow Star Wars fans. I really missed you guys, and I know the last episode, I kind of alluded to a little bit of what was going on. That was just kind of, I wouldn't say the beginning of the downhill slope things kind of took for a couple weeks there, but um, I survived. Uh Work was immensely difficult trying to pack everything up and uh, my store had closed and didn't really have a whole lot of help doing it. So I had that going on. I tried interviewing for a promotion the day my store closed, which was uh, a little emotional for me. I also found out the week my store closed that I had lost a work friend and colleague. And you can only keep pushing and keep going for so long. And my body just got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. Um... I'd like to think that I am and I know that I'm very strong and I know I'm capable of a lot and handling a lot of pressure, but the one little bit of silver lining that I've had is Rebels. Star Wars Rebels. Uh, I started a little over a couple weeks ago when I got my Imperial Chopper tattoo outlined on the side of my calf. And I just love falling back in love with Rebels. And I stand by my statement 100% just how much I love Chopper so much. He's most undoubtedly my favorite Star Wars droid. He is a sassy fucker. I tell you what, the the one episode that I just, I keep coming back to because I just watched it the other day uh, was the episode where he meets AP5, the um, Imperial inventory droid. Uh, Hera and all of them put him in charge of, you know, standby on the ship and, and kind of is a lookout. He looks across the way and he sees uh, a strut that matches his other one because he's got mixed match struts. Uh, legs if you're not a droid person Uh, so as soon as the crew gets without an eye shot he goes blasting himself over looking at it the shopkeeper gets distracted he steals the leg (laughs) and he stows away in the compartment or this area that AP5 is somewhat in charge of and Chopper I love that he's the most unconventional he takes that strut and just starts waving it and flailing it like a crazy person and at one point when him and AP5 commandeer the Imperial Carrier The lone Imperial officer that is in the command deck area, he just starts beating with this spare strut. He's been carrying this thing around the whole time. And it is fucking hilarious. I love Chopper so much, and I cannot wait 
in precisely three days, he gets colored in. Uh, I want to, of course, as always, give props to artist and master extraordinaire, Mr. Sean Kelly, based out of Lakeside Tattoo, who I first linked up with to do my big Kylo piece. He did my Thai silencer tattoo. He did my Savage and Mall tattoo. This is now the fourth one. And I cannot wait to get him colored in. It's been a it's been a few weeks, but I can't wait just to feel complete. Um, I think eventually if this one uh, as long as this one heals up and goes well, I definitely think my next tattoo that I'm leaning towards, I definitely want to put a Loth cat underneath him. I might, even if I really want to, I might do a pair. I might do the mustard-colored one, the desert, the sand-colored one, and then the white one with blue eyes that... um definitely feel like the white one with blue eyes because Ezra is able to connect with him and it allows him to have this connection with his parents and his life on Lothal. I definitely, for whatever reason, it's impressed upon me. Um, the white one with blue eyes, I definitely feel like I want to get in honor of my mom. And it's kind of weird Definitely deep in season three of my rewatch. I've got at least another season and a half left. Uh, Thrawn, of course, is going around taking over. And um, all just met up with him and got him to try and open both the Sith holocron that they got on Malachor and Kanan's Jedi holocron. And so... That's kind of where I'm at with my rewatch and just having a good time. I have not, believe it or not, I have not done any reading lately at all. Um, of course, with my personal and professional life just kind of completely all over the place, I have not found any solitude or peace in reading I definitely want to get back into that because I don't want the comics to pile up. Um, I did get at one point, and I may have mentioned this, but just in case I didn't, I did pick up the Crimson Rain trade paperback uh, somewhere around when I last recorded at the end of August. Uh, I believe at some point in the next month or so, I've still got um, Bounty Hunters 4 and Darth Vader 4, the trade paperbacks coming. And let's see, shopping purchases. Ah, I did have one. I did finally get my hands on and it only made sense to me because... I did finish, it took me forever to read, but I did finish the Knights of the Old Republic series that at some point I want to get around and review with you guys. Uh, of course, I did get Darth Malik, um, $3.95 Funko Pop, the GameStop exclusive. Uh, finally found a good price on him in a case, and of course... I've got some reorganizing. I know I've said this numerous times before. I swear to God, I'm going to do it one day. I've got some reorganizing that I need to do to get my Funkos to where they need to be. Uh, because eventually, in a little over a month or so, I've got Savage Press coming. So I just want to make sure that I'm ready for, for him. Uh, I do not have any other events, comic cons, anything like that lined up, uh, tattoo appointment, obviously. 
I already went over, got Chopper getting colored in in a couple days, and then we'll see how that heals and go from there. Um, my work schedule is in this weird floating uh, floating schedule right now, so I'm kind of able to make my own schedule to an extent. Um, but with us getting ready to also go into the holiday and then hopefully at some point getting back into having my own store again, uh, my schedule is going to kind of start picking up. I've got about maybe a little over a month or so before things start really amping up, but, um, to compound everything and just to finish up with the up at the beginning of the episode I did also um last week week before last I was sick for a couple days and I am better Uh, I'm very thankful to those of you who reached out and lent support I definitely was not online a whole lot and I obviously didn't really put my business out there Um, but I am better and I just, again, want to thank those of you out there who did know and were checking on me daily, your support and your words of kindness. Just, I really greatly appreciate. I can use every single positive vibe you can muster right now, but I think that wraps up for me with my up with you guys. I do want to go ahead and switch gears here and spend a little bit more time or the second half of this week's episode talking with you guys about the first few episodes of Andor. So, as of this current recording, the first three episodes are out. And honestly, (laughs) I kind of forgot because I've got Rings of Power going on Friday nights. I've got House of Dragon going on on Sundays. Um, I did re-watch the Lord of the Rings movies, Hobbit movies. Uh, rewatched, uh, obviously rewatching Rebels. So it's kind of weird that even though Andor is out, I still have a little bit left that I need to finish watching to go over the first three episodes with you guys. And probably if I have time, I'm going to see how I do with talking about episodes one through three. I may hold off a day or two posting this and wait until episode four comes out on Wednesday and see if I have time to add that to the recording. Like I said, I'm going to see time-wise how I do with the first three with you guys. So after this little break coming up, ahead and jump right into the Disney Plus series Andor. So sit tight. All right, guys. So jumping right into Andor. Like I said, I'm going to try and keep an eye on the time and see if I can get through talking about the first three episodes here and have room to add four at the end. So Not wasting any time, episode one is titled Casa, which we, through the flashbacks that Andor has throughout the episode, or first few episodes, we learn that Casa is what Cassian's sister used to call him when they were growing up on Canari. Starting off, we are on a planet titled Morlana One, 
It is roughly 5 BBY. I do like the dark grittiness of the environment. It definitely um, I like the vibe. Um, I'll just say that. Andor, of course, is walking down a platform and gets stopped as he tries to walk into what looks like a it's not a cantina, but it look uh they said that the upstairs lounge is closed, gets checked at the door, so I'm not quite sure what where he's walking into. And he gets a drink at the bar. There are a couple guys there, heck they start immediately heckling him. And I'm guessing the owner of the establishment comes over to him. And the two guys heckling Cassian said, hey, we're here first. And the owner, you know, completely disregarding them, just starts showing attention to Cassian. And Cassian asks her for information says that he's looking that a girl from Canary used to work here uh want to know if uh she was still there so the woman walks off comes back says that uh there was however she left several months ago don't know where she went um she advises that he leave uh we don't use our real names around here And the two guys heckling Cassian at the bar end up following him outside. One of the men automatically goes down. A brawl starts breaking out. Cassian headbutts him in the face. And, of course, as Cassian's trying to grab the other guy's um, blaster or whatever he's got, weapon that he's got in his hand, bullets start ricocheting. So... I'm assuming it was a combination of things that the first guy went down. The heavier set guy with the mustache immediately starts pleading with Cassian for his life. Starts talking about, hey, you know, we'll make up a story, say that he fell. And Cassian just makes that decision and just kills the other guy right there, point blank. He flees on a ship. We see a droid trying to wake up Cassian. Cassian's having memories of his sister when they're kids. They watch the ship crash from the sky. When Cassian finally wakes up, the droid tells Cassian that Razo was looking for him. And Cassian goes to meet Razo where he works. And tries to get him to coordinate this story about what they were doing last night. Back on Morlana 1 at the corporate security headquarters. A Deputy Inspector Cyril Karn files a report with the Chief Inspector. He's looking it over. He's impressed. However... There are no suspects and few leads. The guys were not robbed. Karn is basically told to conjure an accident. That the two guys were where they shouldn't have been. They were in a brothel, let alone an expensive one. And they definitely were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Karn seems, you can just kind of read it on his face. He looks like he's struggling with with this and he doesn't really want to do it. He decides that, you know, he wants to fight for justice. These guys are two employees of theirs. Kind of look out for your own. Cassian goes to see his friend Bix, who works in a scrapyard. Apparently, she's got a secret friend. Cassian tells her that he's got something to sell, to make contact with. Uh, She starts asking what he's got. 
says he's got an untraceable MS-9. The whole time, her husband, Tim, is just watching, and he's kind of like, you know, hey, I'm, I don't like, you know, whenever, obviously, Cassian comes around, she gets in, in a mood. I don't, you just can tell her demeanor changes. Deputy Inspector Karn, back at the corporate security headquarters, is looking with the guy watching flight patterns from the night the two guys were killed on Morlano 1, and they notify an unidentified ship. Um, and Karn kind of puts this guy to work and says, I want to I know what that is. Find it. I want to know where it went, where it landed. Andor gets confronted in the square by two people. I only caught the name of one of them, names by the name of Fetch, asking Cassian for his deposit back. Bix tells her husband that she'll be right back. She goes to leave for town to run a few errands. Husband, naturally suspicious what she's up to, tries to follow her and loses track of her. She goes into another shop looking for a filter and is told to go around and back. She crawls into what looks like some sort of like secretive communication tower, sending out a signal to her friend. Deputy Inspector Karn tells everybody back at headquarters to put out a bulletin, flood the channels that about the accident on Ferrix, that they're looking for a canary mail and asking for information. Cassian playing around in a scrapyard in the ship that he used to escape Morlana 1. Friend comes by to check on him, tells him he needs to hurry up and get out of here, don't come back. Cassian has more memories with his sister. He goes running off into the woods, paints his face with a couple of the other kids. And I have to say that the music with Andor is very, it's very trippy. The beginning, you've got this string thing going on, and the music, especially at the end of this first episode, the music sounds like my cassette is being eaten. It has this very Terminator esque vibe going on. It's kind of funny, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's different. I'll say that. Episode two, titled "That Would Be Me," Cassian has memories coming across this big mining quarry. Tim, Bix's husband, finds the message that she was looking at on the screen when she came in. Uh, the bulletin from Morlana 1 saying that they're looking for a male. Immediately you can tell he automatically knows who they're looking for. You just you can see it all over his face. Cassian comes home, kisses what think at first is his mother. Droid B, the droid waking up Cassian turns out to be her droid. Reads the alert out loud. She asks, starts asking Cassian, "What were you doing?" And immediately when Canary is mentioned, you can just see this look of concern all over her face. And she's like, you know, I always tell people, you always say you're from Fest. Who knows that you're from Canary? And everyone that she's told about Canary is dead. So she's grilling Cassian immediately. Who knows? Who did you tell? B, the droid, tells Cassian that Bix is looking for him. And the droid kind of powers down.
Bix and Cassian meet in a can open air cantina. She immediately asks Cassian about the alert bulletin, and you know he tells her I messed up. That she does tell him that the buyer, her buyer, is coming tomorrow. Can't really call him off. Um, Tim, of course, her husband, drinking, watching them kind of goes wandering off down the street and does something that eventually he pays for later and he decides to call in the information that he knows about Cassian. Bix pays a house call to Tim Afterwards, not knowing what he did, we meet a Sergeant Linus, didn't catch his last name. He's summoned in the middle of the night from Deputy Inspector Karn, talking about how they have a mobile suspect, how he's got 12 men with him, and I kind of wrote down in my notes, it was pretty funny, they have a discipline jack-off contest, it's, you know, it's... You know, oh, you know, do the right thing. We look out for our own injustice and, and, uh, you know, company man, who, who, who. And it's, it's pretty funny. Um, one of the girls in this memory that Cassian keeps having back on Canary, um, the older girl that's in the front kind of having this Ray from Jakku moment, you know, she's got the the hairstyle and that outfit somewhat similar with the with the stick. And they come upon the ship that they saw crash. One of his earlier memories. And she's cautiously approaching checking it out. We meet Luthen Rawl, or Rail, Stellan Skarsgård's character. He's he is obviously the man that Cassian is meeting. He's scouting the area. Bix wakes up. Tim's watching her. He tells her he couldn't sleep. Bix can tell by his demeanor something's bugging him. She asks if he's okay. She tells him, hey, can you open the shop for me? I'm going to go run errands again. So, yeah. I don't know if he suspects Bix and Cassian are having an affair. Not 100% sure, but... um. Yeah, you can tell he's not too happy about that. Cassian talking to droids. Something about hiding Marva's credits. Cassian's mom looking for her droid B. That's how I find out that the name of the droid, the red droid that looks like a, I don't want to say a construction cone, but this weird moving construction barrier thing that whatever shape he is, um, he almost reminds me of Wally a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, his name is B. Going back to the memory of the crash ship with the kids, we come across two dead crew members, or at least we think they are. The one in the back gets up and shoots the girl, the girl that goes to go check out the ship, shoots her in the back. Kids eventually take down the guy. But obviously there's panic amongst the kids because obviously, you know, 
things have gone pretty bad. Cassian walks up to another building in town. And the guy is talking about uh, the Imperial mining disaster on Canary. Apparently nobody's heard of it. Apparently it's mid-rim. It was abandoned after the mining disaster. Nobody survived. Talking about the guy that Morlana 1 is looking for. No reward. He asks Cassian, hey, do you know anybody? And Cassian's playing dumb. He asks the guy about how much would it cost, how much would a run to Tassa cost. Looking for immediate and discreet. The guy says 700 his low his his absolute final offer. He's only got 500 on it. So now he's start, you know, we're seeing a trend of, you know, just stringing along, stringing along. Deputy Inspector Karn, Sergeant Linus go over the plan with the guys about looking for Cassian. They show his picture, even though it's a dated one. Um, it's funny because Sergeant Linus ha- allows Karn to say a few words to the men. <laughs> you can tell he's not very big on public speaking. Um... Going back to Luthen, Stellan Skarsgård's character, having a, uh, one of the passengers on the transport engages conversation with him, asking um, let's see if you can't find it here, it's not worth finding, which he kind of smiles at. And then at the end of the episode, we see Cassian walking to meet Luthen. Again, with the music. Different music than the end of the first episode, but again, it's this weird industrial trippy vibe. So, I don't know. It's a little annoying for me, but anyways. Episode 3, titled Reckoning. I even wrote at the beginning of the episode three music all over with a bunch of question marks. Um, going back to the memory of the crash ship. Cassian ends up staying behind and going into the ship that crashed. We see two more dead crew with like gangrene faces, like, I don't want to say yellow gold, but, you know, you can definitely look like they got into something. Um, we go to the shipyard where Cassian sees Razo working, tells Razo that he'll have money for him later. Bix is hanging out waiting for Luthen to appear. She sees Luthen. Luthen apparently is familiar with Cassian. Not 100% sure how yet. But he... Bix tells him about, you know, they put out a bulletin for Cassian. He's like, do you trust him? So... There's definitely... Something bigger than Cassian going on. Something that he's obviously destined for here. So Luthen, I don't think, even though this part on the ship is valuable, you can tell that Luthen came for something more than that. We have our first memory of who we think is Cassian's mom. Come to find out that it's Marva. Scouting parts with her droid B on the trying to piece it together because we're getting it in pieces, but they hear a noise coming from part of the ship, and this other guy in the background yelling at her that we need to leave. 
Cassian also, with his memory, he's actually on the ship. Come to find out that Marva finds Cassian trying to destroy the the bridge of this ship. She takes kind of a liking to him. You know, we're not going to leave him here for public ship approaching. Not going to leave him here to die. So they, she drugs him and they take him with him. Cassian waiting for Luthen. The men from Orlando 1 show up with a warrant to Cassian's house. They push Marva out of the way. They start tearing his room apart. The droid bees starts hollering for Marva <laughs> as Cassian is trying to talk to the droid, which kind of back before speakerphone was a thing. But, you know, obviously all the security guards can hear, hey, um, crowd growing outside of Marva's house, getting a little rowdy outside. Luthen finally shows up and meets Cassian. Cassian offers the part that he has for 40 credits, 40,000 credits. Luthen wants more information from him, wants to know how, how he got it. Security guards start making their way down to where they think Cassian is, about 10 minute walk from Marva's. Town is definitely getting more rowdy, talking about, you know, Hey, you know, these these people showing up and bothering Marva. One of the shop guys comes to warn Bix about the security guys showing up at Marva's and they're looking for Cassian. Bix starts piecing things together that somebody ratted him out. And Tim comes clean. Um, Luthen asks Cassian how he got the part. He starts talking about how I know you. They can tell, obviously, with the crowd growing outside. They can see the security guys showing up one by one. Uh, Luthen asks if he's got a transponder on him. Rule number one, never carry anything you can't control. Luthen brings up his father, which is a very touchy subject. So now Cassian's like, hey, who are you? How do you know me? Um, so it's like this back and forth, What what's really going on? Um, the town develops, or the town seems to have developed a warning system where they're beating or clanking down on metal objects hanging around outside, I guess, to warn people to close up or prepare that, you know, companies here. I guess the noise reaches Cassian and Luthen. They can tell, obviously, the building's about to be stormed. And I really love this. rule. Uh, Luthen's rule number two, build your exit on your way in. And um, puts charges on the door. Firefight ensues. The box gets left in the building. They barely escape alive. Tim gets shot. He obviously goes looking for Bix, sees her chained up and being watched. She's bleeding, so as he's walking towards her, the guards guarding her shoot him point blank. So, sorry, Tim, but that's what you get for selling out your friends. Um, well, in all fairness, I don't really think Cassian was a friend of his, but, you know, mm friend of a friend um security guys decide that they're going to split up and pick them off one by one as they approach they think 
They've got Cassian surrounded. Cassian comes up behind where Karn is hiding in one of the shops. Gets information from Karn about there being 14 men total, two officers. The ship that the security guys came down in on is sabotage. We find out that Razo, working in the shipyard, ends up chaining something to the ship. So obviously, as the guy's trying to take off, he's carrying extra weight, ends up crashing into one of the scaffolding pieces, which everybody from the town can see from above. Using that as the diversion, we see a vehicle escape, and suddenly the guy starts storming the town, shooting at it, thinking that Cassian's inside. We eventually see that said vehicle is now merely a diversion. Vehicle explodes, and we see Cassian and Luthen get away on a speeder bike. Bix gets untied and saved by the two guys running the part shop. We see Marva kind of looking around the house. Obviously, it's, you know, jacked up from the guys coming to look for Cassian. She's all feeling very reminiscent. Razzo drinking at the bar. Karn is just checked out. And... Cassian leaves with Luthen. So that is the first three episodes of Andor. I should hopefully have enough to add on four here, so sit tight. Four is coming your way. All right, guys, I'm going to jump right into episode four of Andor titled Aldani. So, I just want to go ahead and make a quick disclaimer. Obviously, we just talked about episodes one through three. I am now about to talk about episode four. So, if you have not watched the latest episode that dropped this week, please pause, pick back up, rejoin me after you've watched episode four. I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, Starting off with... We have Luthen and Cassian traveling through hyperspace. Uh, You hear him, or you hear Luthen mention the coordinates, Aldani. And Luthen's kind of going over with Cassian his options. He can either travel, stay with him, he can get dropped, or um, continue to run. I think Luthen... He definitely impresses upon Cassian that he didn't really go for the part. He went for him. And so there's still a piece of the puzzle that we have yet to discover. Obviously, he seems to know an awful lot about Cassian. And uh, Andor's definitely fighting with his place in the resistance. He tells Luthen he wants to be dropped. Luthen's like, you know what, I'll make it worth your while. You'll die fighting if you stay alone. Uh, If you come with him, got a job, five or six days, 200k, and they're going for uh, complete payroll uh, records from an imperial site. Shifting to Coruscant at the Imperial Security Bureau, we have a board meeting or some meeting going on in there. A bunch of places that we are familiar with are being talked about in the meeting, talking about Ryloth, uh, Ferrix, which we obviously met at the beginning of the series, Scarif, Marvala 6, And we meet a couple of characters that we don't necessarily catch the name of offhand. I do hear something about uh, uh, Superintendent Grandy or Supervisor Grandy. Um, 
we meet Dead Deidre, who is the uh, blonde-haired Imperial officer that we see in a lot of the Andor promotional material. At first, I thought when when I saw her from afar, it gives me a little bit of Sarah Michelle Geller vibes. Uh, but they're talking eventually towards the end of this meeting, the stolen Starpath unit is brought up, and we see Deidre's face just kind of light up, and. The guy in charge of the meeting, who I eventually discover is Major Partagas, is the main main guy in the room, or the I guess you could say the guy in charge in the room. Um, and he mentions a quote about security being an illusion, and. They also, at the end of the meeting, casually mention Scarif. I can't remember if I mentioned that a few seconds ago. Um, going back to Aldani, Luthen tells Cassian to think of a name, and Cassian gives the name Clem. He gives him a down payment, which is a Kawadi signet, which is a kyber crystal tells him not to take anything less than 50k for it and luthan goes outside to speak to vel this uh female we see kind of the kind of in this mountainous area of aldani so it's kind of random to see a female kind of hiking through to meet him but he tells cassian to stay inside he tells vel about the plan and about cassian and she seems really reluctant to take on an extra person. Once Vel finally agrees to accept Cassian and or um, Luthen yells for him to come off the ship. And they've got a, the job that they're doing takes place in three days. <clears throat> We shift to Morlana at the uh, security bureau that we meet in the beginning. Corporate security headquarters. The chief, uh, chief inspector, uh, deputy inspector Karn, and Sergeant Linus are all being interrogated. I wouldn't say interrogated, but they're really being grilled about what happened on Ferrix. Uh, this other Imperial officer that we saw at the board meeting previously, I come to find out his name is Lieutenant Supervisor Blevin. He is really laying into them and just, you know, know what we're gonna take over from here consider that consider uh Morlana under permanent imperial authority now <clears throat> shifting back to Aldani Vel and Cassian are talking as they're walking they've got apparently quite a walk to go and Vel impresses upon him when they get to camp and meet the other people at the camp that it's her idea, and you never, ever, ever mention Luthen. And she basically warns him, if you mention him, we're going to have problems. So she tells him what the job is. They are apparently robbing an Imperial Armory at the Aldani garrison, and there's now seven of them that are taking part in this mission, and Cassian's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I only knew about payroll uh, payroll records. I knew nothing about going after a garrison. In the midst of this discussion, that discussion that's now getting heated, two ties fly by. They obviously duck and hide. And shifting back to Coruscant with Deidre, I think she's left Lieutenant uh, Deidre. And I didn't quite catch, I 
didn't catch your last name because like I said, we're we're meeting a lot of people where, you know, I'm kind of having to look up after the fact what their names are because I'm not really catching them in the midst of the episode. Uh, Deidre's definitely looking for the Star Path unit and, you know, hey, trying to track this thing down. Apparently it's from a... Uh, from a base that's under her jurisdiction. So she definitely goes on the lookout for it. Luthen lands in Coruscant. He puts on a wig and he changes. To Deidre. Deidre goes in and questions Lieutenant Supervisor Blevin about the Ferrex report and the missing Starpath unit. He apparently denies her request the second time, so she's like, all right, fine, I'm going to the Major. Cassian and Vel arrive at the camp and meet the other members of the party. We meet Karis, Terramin, Nemec, Skeen, and eventually we meet a Lieutenant Gorn, who is their... Um, who is Vel's contact with the garrison. We eventually meet him later. Karn, we see arriving at home or his mother's. He obviously still looks pretty rattled up from what happened on Ferrix. Mom answers the door and is just get completely emotional. Um, back to the Aldani camp. Andor's getting his arm wound looked at. Apparently it was an injury with a blaster. In the camp, the rest of the guys involved in this mission just start in t- uh, really grilling Vel about who this guy is. You know, it's you know we're it's a little late in the game to be adding somebody new. Do can we trust him? And really reading her the riot act on this one. And Vel's just like, you know what? I trust him. Let it go. We finally. Towards the end of episode four, we meet another familiar face to the Star Wars universe. Mon Motha arrives to Luthen's shop. Is a new driver. In Luthen's shop, he has a worker helping him who he introduces as Claire. And says something about uh, Mon Motha looking for a gift for her husband, how he's apparently got quite an eclectic taste for um, military antiques. They start looking around the shop and then eventually Luthen has uh, Mothma go around back and Mothma's like, you know, there's a lot of new faces. It's getting really risky for me, you know, There are new spies turning up every day, and, you know, obviously the new driver that she has gets brought up, and, you know, how it's getting unsafe. Luthen's just pressing her for, you know, I've got many mouths to feed, and she's like, you know what, I might have a potential help on this. We finally meet Lieutenant Gorn back at the Aldani camp. He shows up. He's introduced to everybody as the contact with the garrison. Vel asks how long they have him for, and he's like, I've just got to go back. I've got an inspection at midnight. Mon Motha goes home and is surprised that Perrin apparently has the her husband. Has the place set up for guests and dinner with the governor. And many people who she, you know, she's getting very upset with him. There's many people on there that actually hate her and undo a lot of the work that she does. You know, and of course, eventually walks away from me as, well, what about the present? Trying to smooth things over. Vel goes over the plan with everybody back at camp with the garrison, talking about uh, this old, old stones, this old temple, and a meteor shower providing a distraction for them that happens every few years. They'll be able to slip in and out without anybody hopefully noticing what's going on. 
Andor really's, you know, he's pressing like, you know, we saw the TIE fighters flying by, you know, it's, you know, it's seven of us versus an entire garrison. I really think that this is a suicide mission. And the uh, Lieutenant Gorn guy says that's why there's only 40 of us there. So, <clears throat> at the end of the little meeting, Vel every, basically puts Cassian on the spot in front of everybody and says, so we've got to ask you, are you all the way in? And Clem kindly goes with. Going, <coughs> excuse me, going back to Coruscant and Deidre versus Blevin. They are obviously both now talking in front of the major, uh, the Partagaz guy I was talking about earlier. He eventually sides with unit tries to pull her weight but Deidre's like you know there this that we've got several coincidences you know this is happening you know a couple places frequently think it's all connected to a larger rebellion and the major quickly you know quash you know I wouldn't say reprimand yeah he reprimands her after Blevins leaves and presses upon her that you know he's got six sectors he's watched watching over she's only got two however he is grateful that she, uh about her report that she presented earlier in front of the meeting however blevins got all caught up on his work she's not and reminds her that they look at in the they they're definitely he's definitely a hard data guy not about hunches and superstitions or conclusions so she needs to basically you know come forward with more solid work at the end of the episode back at the camp it's now nighttime lieutenant gorn hands uh Cassian a device you know talking it has the map and the layout of the garrison and some Aldani phases that he needs to learn by morning and everybody's just looking at Clem like you know hey we've had time to prepare for this and he's sitting there eating he's like can I finish eating first and Vel tells him you know hey you gotta look all that over you've got homework you gotta be ready by morning and take the first watch so that is episode four of andor definitely just going overall now the last few minutes here i do like the pacing on it it does definitely have a bit of a slow burn and we're definitely meeting a lot of new people but there's obviously a lot of moving parts in the episode if you you hadn't already noticed, there's a lot of bouncing back and forth between Morlana, Coruscant, Aldani. Um, this particular last episode did not have too many flashbacks to Cassian's childhood like the first three episodes did. But we're definitely, you know, uncovering pieces. We're We're starting to see familiar faces, whether it's from... All the promotional material that we'd seen previously, obviously, we're familiar with Mon Matha. So, so far, I do like the episode. Like, I do not mind the slow burn. Um, I wish the music would level out a little bit, because like I said, it, it's definitely some inconsistency with that. But so far, honestly, I, I want to say we've got 12 episodes, I believe, of this series. So... I mean, we're only four in, so, you know, the pacing-wise, I'm not too terribly concerned about. The episodes are running somewhere between the 45 to 50-minute mark. So, so far, so good. No complaints. I'm going to go ahead and get going here. I want to thank you guys so much. Like I said, I apologize. It's been so long since my last episode, uh, but I appreciate you being patient with me. 
Next week, I will go over with you guys episode five that'll be releasing and anything else kind of going on out and about in my travels this coming week. So thank you again for joining me. I do want to quick plug some friends of mine, of course, obviously, fellow Star Wars fans. I want to also impress upon you, my friends, my boys at the New Forts Order podcast, wherever you can listen to podcasts. Also, my wrestling fam, Diego and DeVore, their podcast, Diego and DeVore Show, talks about a little bit of everything. There is a wrestling focus on there, but if you're looking for something or looking for a break from Star Wars material, I want to also impress upon you uh, that option as well. But thank you again to each and every one of you for your constant support. Do not forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And as always, may the Force be with you.